Welcome to the Momnificent Podcast. This is the place where we help parents live a happy, healthy life with their kids. We're going to show you how to connect with your child and help them even in their most difficult moments as we hear from experts in the field. I'm your host, Dr. Karin Jakubowski, an international speaker, public school principal, and former struggling student. The Momnificent Podcast equips parents with science-based strategies to help you live a happy, healthy life with your kids. Welcome. Now, Robert Bernstein has devoted 30 years of his life to treating children, adolescents, and adults with a wide range of cognitive challenges. Rob's book, Uniquely Normal, which will hold up hold up for you as I'm saying this, tapping oh, into oh. the res <laughs> that's your cue. <laughs> tapping into the reservoir of normalcy to treat autism. And this consists of 27 studies, case studies that have won six awards. And Rob, correct me if I'm wrong, but you are the keynote speaker at this year's World Autism Conference in Colorado in December, right? Well, I don't know if they decided who the keynote speaker is, but I'll be there. I'll be speaking. <laughs> they already have you on their website as their keynote speaker. <laughs> well, that's amazing. I didn't know that. Thank you. <laughs> That's hysterical. Yes, I saw that this morning. I was so proud. I'm like, and he is on my podcast. So welcome to Momnificent. For those of you tuning in, I'm the host of the podcast, Momnificent. I'm a public school principal, and I just have a heart to help moms raising their kids. And here today, we're talking about autism, and we have an expert who has worked for years with kids. So Rob, thank you so much for joining me. I just feel so old. Oh, stop. Thirty years. Oh, this time. No, no. Okay, I'm happy to be here. Throw That's that in the trash. But people appreciate your expertise because you are a man with wisdom. And so we're just going to jump right in because here I am trying to follow my questions, and you're like, Karen, just tell me what your teachers and parents need. So I'll start with with the teachers, for for example. So in my experience working with closely with teachers. I was explaining to you, we have four classrooms with autism, students with autism. And, you know, sometimes um, we have older students, like maybe fourth and fifth graders, they're non-speaking and they will display behaviors where maybe they, they kind of run, run across the classroom or, or try to run out of the classroom or, and it can be so frustrating when you're, you, you don't know what they're trying to do. And for us, we just want them to almost like, I'll say act typically just because that's what we, we know we can work with to control in a sense. And I guess it's the sense of when the kid is out of control, how, and the frustration that you can't, it sounds bad, to like make them be in control, but when you're like, oh my gosh, what are they going to do next? And, and they're just like run, running out of the room or running down the hallway. And you're like, ah, help me. So maybe we just start there. I'd like to talk to you like you're my sister-in-law okay. and start yelling at you. No, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> but think, think, of, think of what you just said. The kids are running around, they're not speaking, and it's making all of us, teachers, feel frustrated. We're frustrated. Yeah. And what do we do to control their behavior? And I want to turn that whole perspective around. Okay. Taking a look at the kid. Here are kids. I've, I mean, non-speaking is, you know... I, the first four chapters of my book, kids who are non-speaking or very little language. And it's like, they're the ones who are frustrated. They're the ones 
will have ideas. You know when you talk to a parent and the kid's non-speaking, right? And the parent says, my kid understands everything. And you know that's not true. Well, there's some truth in this. The kid okay. understands a lot and the kid can't express it. So think of the frustration. I'm talking with a parent today, same thing. Think of the frustration within the kid that the kid knows what he or she wants to, or they, right, wants to say. And like, they don't have a way of saying it. They don't have the words. They don't have the expression, the communication. Whether it's sign line, whatever it is, they don't have that. And, and like, of course, anything they do is not going to be good or right, including withdrawal. So if I asked you or your teachers, here's a child non-speaking and the kids by themselves and they don't, they don't present the behavior problem, you're not complaining about those kids, right? Or a non-speaker is so frustrated, like, don't you understand what I want? And they're like running around the place. That's the kid you're attending to. That's, that's the kid that you're asking me for help with. And I'm yeah. saying it's the same thing for both kids. They both need a way of expressing themselves. Let's look at it from the kid's point of view and help them. It's easy for me to say it, but I'm just giving you a perspective. Let's help them express themselves as opposed to saying, well, we got to stop this kid's, you know, uh, we, I can't teach my other students. There's too much noise in the class. He's running around. Help me calm this kid down, you know? And now you're looking at changing the behavior and I'm looking at changing the internal mechanisms, the mind, the way the kid's mind works, the frustration. I'm looking to help that. Mm -hmm. So I know I could tell by expression, I'm not answering your question. So when no, I- that's okay. You're good. No, no, it's good. Because we I, just want to remove the kid, right? Like the kids in the room with other kids and now they're causing disruption. So our natural thing is they have to go to like, called like the calm down or they have to take a break or you got to remove. Right. So keep going. Right. This is good. So um, I'm, I'm saying, I'm telling you things that I haven't said in 20 years because I get questions from different people, different situations. But as a teacher, um, and I taught every, probably every disability except blind, right? Except deaf. I don't, you know, I haven't had experiences with those, but, um, but uh, how many teachers in these classes? One or two? One class, one teacher? One teacher in the class. And it's only like four or five kids with two para, paraprofessional support. Two parents. Okay. I, I'm, oh boy. I may get in trouble with you. Well, you, may, so, you may not like what I have to say. Well, we have we have we have a whole program that design that the district designed this as. So go ahead, because I didn't design the program. It just is what I'm told. At that happens. moment, it, it let's let's just say I have a point. Let's just say I have a point. And this kid is screaming, and you're saying, wait a second, there's something about this kid that I need to understand. And this is what I've done. I've had 30 years in the class, just in the classroom, I had 30 years. And then I had my own practice for another, right? Whatever. Yeah, right. So, so 
what I would do, right, in, in all practice, I would say, all right, I'm taking that kid. And again, it doesn't matter if it's a behavior issue or just difficult. I, I would do this. This would be the way I would teach. I would take that kid in, on the side and give him one-on-one -on -one attention, not to change his behavior, but to understand him. Okay. To understand what's going on, what he's trying to express, you know, and whatever it is, I don't, you have to give me a more specific situation to, to okay. me to know what to specifically do. Yeah. You know, the kid's screaming at home. It's easy. You know, do you want something to eat? You know, you want to show me, show me what you want, you know, good. Show, oh, oh, the kid is, wants to go outside. All right. At least I'm not trying to put him in his seat or on the floor with the other kids so I could have peace in the classroom. Wow, this kid really wants to go outside. Oh, okay, maybe maybe the one of the parents could take why don't you why don't you tell me go outside? Why don't you say something like that? Why don't you point go outside? Why do you you know you don't have if you want to go outside, depending on the kid, help him express that. And if and if you realize the kid's non-speaking, he's going outside. All right, let let a parent go outside with that kid and see. Like, all right, now we're outside. What is it? Now what? You know? Oh, he saw you know a little worm under this rock on the way to, to like. Oh, really? Like, wow. That we don't know. If if you give the kids a chance to express themselves. Miracles happen, like wow, really? You know, so that's what it's all about. That's what you're interested in. That's what you want. So I'm just making up this example as yeah. a way of kind of having changing the paradigm shift of like, um, I'm overwhelmed as a teacher. I don't know what to do. This kid's ruining my class to saying like, all right, let me follow his lead which is the first line of the forward of, you, you know that? That's, that's, your, that's your tagline on your website, <laughs> right? Well, okay. How, what is it? I, 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 made a I made a post about it and I can't even remember it, right? Like yeah, let yeah. your, listen to your child, let them, let them follow, follow their lead. Something like that, right? Their, yes, that's right. Follow, yeah. follow their lead, yeah. So do you think maybe, maybe, do you get frustrated with our educational system because sometimes it, it's like we have it backwards or something? Because the short answer is yes. Because because but as I'm you're sure. saying this, I'm thinking, but the teacher's like, well, we we have a we have a routine, we have a structure, we have a da da da. da. But what you're saying is right. almost letting the kid create their educational experience. That's what I'm hearing from you. Right. And, and how often do we let them do that? We don't. You know, I'm beginning to like you. <laughs> you know, you but know. that's what you're saying you know okay. but i'm not the only one saying keep going it. keep going um the first time i heard this was from my friend when lawson but this has been going on since the 1500s nothing about us without us say that again no, nothing about us without us you're making a film about autistic people you better have autistic people on advising you. 
if not you know, a, a person on the spectrum doing the acting, it's himself or herself. So you're saying we've created an educational system for like we have an autism building guys classroom and we don't even have autism kids helping us design what they need in that classroom in a sense. Is that what you're saying? Right. Per you're perfect. Oh, my God. I, I know I should have married well, you. Well, you know what I think is hysterical? I think, kudos to you, right. you have a TikTok channel, which I think is amazing because I just started one in January. And you know what I have the highest viewers of my TikTok videos on? Autism and ADHD. And you wow. know what my favorite thing is doing? Saying like five things a kid with autism wants you to know. Why? Because nobody's telling us what the kids with autism want to know, want right. you to know. That's and good. it's yeah. it's fascinating. And this is, it's kind of like yeah. what you're saying. Like, like, can you see from their lens for a minute, maybe? Exactly. Exactly. That's okay. Exactly so it. tell us something else that you've learned that maybe a parent with an autistic child, like my, my, my sister-in-law in Poland's three-year-old son just got diagnosed with autism three months ago. He's three years old and he literally just stopped talking. And now he, he, he does this whenever they think he wants something, but he can't say it. So he's like doing this and they are, well, now she hasn't been a kindergarten and an hour away that has for autism kids, et cetera. So what's something you've worked with parents over the years that you could say to like my sister-in-law that she might not realize that over time you're like, if parents just realize this, what's the advice you would tell them? All right. I'm, I'm, I, it's a hundred things, but let me kind of get a sense of what's happening with your sister, your sister, your sister-in-law's kids. Yeah. Sister-in-law kid. Okay. Um, She's taking this kid to a school or a class specializing in autism. All right. Number one, the kid has to hear real language, right? The idea. So, so, so put them in a normal school. Well, is that well, what you mean by real well, language? Well, let me let me go on. The idea of a class with autistic kids is that this kid's going to be in a class of kids who are like him. Which serves the system fine, because then they get the funding, and then they have this, and then they have, but fine. But for a kid to learn to to speak in in full sentences and back and forth conversation, they need to hear that language. Don't make it so. Simple. Talk to them normally. Right. Don't break okay. things up. Don't make it easy. It's easy. Because we didn't learn that way. Well, yeah. what I hear us in school with our students with autism is talk less, they tell us. So we use this like good walking, nice sitting. Like we use these little like phrases, right. but you're saying like, it's okay. Just talk to them normal. It's not only okay. I'm totally against that. And I will be happy that's to have it backward. I'll be happy to have a, a, a discussion, not an argument. I'd be happy to have a discussion with all these people because- there's no excuse to talk to kids like that. Uh, okay. What, do you remember your first word, Karen? Okay. Your, your first word probably was not boy, chair. You know, the first 50 words in the, you know, to, you know speech therapists have, it's yeah. not going to be that. Your first word, besides maybe mommy and daddy, right? The right. first word is often a word like up, something like up, as opposed to door. Something you want. Pick me up, right? right? Something yeah. eat. Okay. Right. Because up they hear. 
in 20 different ways. Pick me up, you know, get up, pick that up, you know, let, let's get up. Let, you know, hey, stand up. They hear up in so many different contexts in real, in real situations. Okay. The kid, how many little kids want to get picked up? About 100%. I mean, right? Yeah. I did this actually today with somebody. Just today. I mean, I, I recorded it. You know, the kid wanted juice and the kid had to sit on the chair. He's trying. I said, forget about the juice. Go around in front of the kid. Put your arms under his, put your hands under his arms and say, tell me, pick me up. I mean, the kid wants it. He sees it. He's, he's, he's intending to, to want that. See if he could say, pick me up. Right? It didn't work because the kid really was obsessed with the juice. But the, you try, and this is what I, I'll, if, I don't, if I didn't say this in the book, I'll tell you, and, but don't tell anybody. All right? But things that, you know, if you get the, my, you know, I, I tell you all the things that work for these kids. 20, you know, I have 30 pages of how I got a kid to talk in the, the first chapter, right? Yes. I'm not going to tell you all the times that didn't work. Okay, so I'm telling you now, and this is our secret. I'll try something. When I say it didn't work, I'm saying I don't. I'm doing the right. What I think is the right thing to get this kid to talk. Pick me up is perfect for a non-speaking kid because it's all there. The emotions you can't. You don't talk without a few things, and one of them is affect. If there's no affect, there's no speech. There's no language. Wait, what do you emotion, mean by that? Say that again. Some emotion. There has to be some emotion behind the when, word. When, when we're talking to them? When they're talking to you. For a kid to learn how to talk in the first place, there has to be some emotion behind the word. So it's, so our job is to get them almost to the emotion, maybe? You don't have no. to do it. It's going to oh. be there. If you follow oh. their lead, you'll see that emotion. As opposed to... You hold up a, a card and you say, say house, say dog. Where's the emotion? <clears throat> it, can only, it can only do more harm than good. It's just my okay. philosophy of education. It has to be meaningful and come from, if the kid wants to be picked up, the intention, it. the emotion is there. If he's not saying it, he, he can learn to say it. <clears throat> so why, why don't, these kids speak? That's great. That's a great question. And what is it? I don't have a good answer for you because nobody does. Otherwise, we would give the kid a pill or an injection or a something. Fascinating. Yeah. But it's it's developmental. Okay, it's not the mother's fault, right? It's something in terms of development. If you understand, oh, I love, I, I love your questions. If you understand the way normal development works, and I refer you to Lois Bloom, who is my mentor at Teachers College Columbia. Um, she wrote a book, and I wish I had it. It's a, it's a blue book on early language development. It's a thick, it's a thick book. I'm saying thick because she wrote other books that are thinner. Um, it, it may be a lot to go through. It's not a book that, you know, for a parent to read over coffee. But I'm just saying, 
uh, I understand normal language development. And that's what you want, normal. We started the conversation, speak to your kid normally, okay? So what happens is that I have my own theories about this, that it, that a kid doesn't talk. One reason is that they're not relating the words to each other. The kid will learn associative language. They'll learn words like mommy, daddy, right? These words that associate. When the words are together, there's a relationship there. The definition of autism has something to do with socialization and relationships. I'm saying, and this is just my own theory because you're asking me, because the answer is I don't know. Why why these kids, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Nobody knows, right? It may right. depend on the individual kid and so forth, right? But um, but I mean, before working with all these kids, all these kids, a number of kids that I know who are non-speaking, to us, all we knew was selective mute. Really? Right. That's what I dealt with 10 years ago. You didn't speak in school. You were selective mute. That's it. So it's just interesting that now we have more and more kids who are on speaking. And now I'm just like, wow. And, and your sister-in-law's kid, if I get that right, um, he he was talking when he was here. Yes. Yes. So I have a question for her. And you don't have to get back to me because it's not, it's not like, you know, you live, you know, you're, you're, my, you're my cousin or something. But I would love to know the answer to this. At around two, kids start learning to combine a couple of words at a time. There's a huge difference saying dog eating rather than dog. Because dog eating is a story. Dog eating has emotion. The dog's yeah. eating. It's interesting. Dog might be interesting, or they might be saying dog, cat, tree. There's not much affect. There's not much emotion. But dog eating, hey, something's happening. I want to know from your sister-in-law that when, when the kid was two, two and a half, before stopping to speak, did he, did he use two words together? And okay. there's a word for that. Syntax. Okay. Grammar. Yeah. Words relate to each other. I want to know that. I'm so interested in that. Because if he, because the kid stopped talking, but when he was talking, was it just single words? Okay. If it was just single words, I would say, whoa, we could have done something at 18 months, two years. We could have done something earlier. Because, you know, the you could look, right? At about one year... You say one word, yeah. right? Two years, you say two words, but the two words are together. It's different from just more words. Right. I, I, I taught a kid like three word utterances, like pick me up and all that stuff at a camp, a six week camp, right? Yeah. The kid goes back to Detroit, comes back the next summer at this summer camp. The teacher's so excited because I wrote, you know, all, all this stuff. She said she's so excited. The kid could say 50 words. And I'm saying, uh-oh, I could hold up a picture of a raisin and he could say raisins. 
but he forgot he didn't he didn't wasn't able to combine any of the words. Yeah. So to me, it was a waste of time, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Because his mind didn't go to real language. Okay. Right. Real language is this back and forth and words that are connected, words that are meaningful. He was able to say 50 words and she was very excited about that. So I want to know if those words were connected. Okay. I, that would really help. I It will enhance my theory of what, what I think the brain is doing. Okay. So that's All right. that's. That's the key. Go ahead. Okay. So tell us maybe one of your examples in your manual, because I started peeking through that and I was like, this is so fascinating. Can you give us a glimpse into one of those little practices that a parent listening, it might intrigue them to want to read more? Hmm. Okay. Um, so I have an example and this is fresh. You won't believe this. I'm telling your parent just today. I love it. It's uh, awesome. This kid was young, three or four, going into a group of kids. And they do things like, oh, we're singing in a circle and we're going to, and your mom said something nice about you. I'm going to tell you what your mom said nice about you, which may work with the other 10 kids, but it won't work with him because he's non-speaking. Okay. It's not going to mean anything to him. And so now the mother has to go there so the kid could sit still and be part of a group that is totally meaningless. And I'm saying it's the teacher's responsibility to engage the kid. You want the kid to be engaged, whether you're following yeah. his lead or you're giving him something that he is enjoying. So I suggested, um, I'm looking at the book, this this helium balloon. Thing, okay. Yeah. Right? All right. Tell us about that. And, yeah. um, it's like, it's filled. It's just filled with, with potential language. You could get a tank for, you know, you could buy a tank for like $50 and it could blow up, I don't know how many balloons, you know, probably a hundred balloons or something. So depending on the kid and the language, what this is what I would like. I this is the way I start, and I think I have it in my book. And seeing an example, give the kid the key, a, a balloon filled with helium, right? No string, no strings attached. I'm just that's just a stupid thing that came into my mind. You know, <laughs> no string. You yeah. give it to, him. and you tell this kid. I don't care if he's speaking, non-speaking. I don't care. You tell a kid. Don't let go of the balloon. Don't let go. And if, if the kid really listens to you, and that's going to be the title of my next talk, kids don't really listen to us anyway. So you say to the kid, don't let go, and the kid's probably going to let go, and the balloon's going to go up. Now, that's, that's interesting. You're telling them, I told you not to. Now, now we have to get, how are we going to get the balloon down? It's filled. It's filled with language. How, depending on the ceiling, how are we going to get the kid? You know, maybe you could pick up, you know, pick the kid up, and or maybe you put a string on it, just enough that if you pick him up, he could get the string. The kid's looking up. He wants the balloon. What better way of getting the kid to talk to say, tell the kid to say, "Pick me up," so I could get the balloon down. 
if the kid doesn't say pick me up, what I'm what I'm saying it's the it's it's the perfect thing to do. Perfect in my mind. If you do this sort of thing, meaningful language, in terms of early language development, and and you mentioned the book. This is one of the things I have in the book. Then. If you keep doing that, like I was saying, in my office, a kid sees me, I'll do something 30 times before I get a reaction. And you're going, oh, well, that's too bad. And I'm saying, what? One session, 30 times, and all the and the kid's saying his first word? And I have a recording of a mother saying, you know, I, I'm, you know, I'm showing the mother how the kid says, like the word up or pick up or pick me up or something. And she starts to cry. And I say, and after this, we're going to start teaching your kid other words, other phrases. And she says, oh, you're going to take that away from her. Because once the kid says a word, my approach is cognitive. It's sort of conceptual. They have the idea of language. Don't get them locked into those that phrase or that word over and over and over again. The kid, this one kid finally learned more milk. He got it. More milk. He got it. Now he wants to play ball and he's saying more milk because those are the only words he knows that works. You right. see what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So use this balloon idea. There are hundreds of examples. So the idea is to like, and maybe the balloon wouldn't work for the kid to say, get up because maybe to him that the balloon is not interesting enough. Right. Is that possibly what you're saying? But when you, when you try something long, when you try different things enough, if it has enough meaning to them, eventually they will learn what to say to add to that situation. Right. If if they're connected emotionally enough. Okay. So is that right? To get back to that issue of what's in really engaging the kid, if you this kid who wants to go outside, he goes outside and he picks up a rock and he sees a worm. He's already engaged. He's already yeah. engaged. And if if you're there and you say, "Oh, let's pick up this," you know, tell me to lift up the rock. Granted, I know what you're thinking. The kid has no language, no speech. He's not speaking. He's not going to say, pick up the rock. What I'm saying, he needs to hear that language appropriately at the appropriate time. He understands what the situation was. If he wants the rock to be picked up, if he used the language, at least he's hearing the language that's appropriate. So it's like experience and conceptualize in the experience in the moment is what helps them eventually to learn and say the words. I love that. I, You said it much better than I can say it. it you, oh, I stop. It. But I, I think I'm starting to get it. Okay, so last question, because because we're running out of time, but I'm having so much fun. We're going to have to come back. Nice you're going to have to, you're gonna have to let me invite you back on. This is, <laughs> this is amazing. Okay, so I... I, um, one of my roles in, in the school right now this year is, is to do lunch, lunch duty for a lot, a lot of the day. Oh, good. And, and I have my students with autism who come to lunch with their parents, but with all the other kids. And what's one thing you can tell me when I'm in there with them? Hey, Karin, 
think and do this, look for situations to do like, what would, how would, like, all I do is walk up to them and put my hand on their back and say hi to them. So good to see you. And I just, that's all I know what to do. Is there anything else you would tell me to do that can help them along this process? First of all, lunch and recess are probably the best situations that are real, experiential, yes. which is your okay. word. Okay. Yeah. Which is better for language than sitting in a classroom and having a lesson given by the teacher. Yeah. It's re they're real situations. So it's capturing that meaningful moment for, for, for the kid. So um, I love to teach teachers by actually demonstrating it and doing, doing it. That it. doesn't mean yeah. it's going to work. Right. Because I do it and then I have them do it. And then I say, well, no, well, you know, it's really, and I explain why something works and why something doesn't work. So it's like, what is it? Like 30 kids, 40 kids? <clears throat> well, it's a hundred of them in the cafeteria. Oh. And they all, they all sit at like these, you know, sort of like picnic style tables in a sense. And, right. and I, and I go up and sit next to them and they're so hungry. Right. So they're eating. They're all the, these, these, these kids, these autistic kids are so focused on their food. So maybe it's something I can just sit with them and be like, Oh, you're so hungry. Right. You look like, do I just start describing what I see them doing? Okay. I love it. I love, I love, I love what, how, what you're asking and how you're asking it. So the number one thing is their intention, their intention, what's in their mind when they're intending. If they're eating, if they're grabbing, you know, if they're opening up a package of grapes because they want to eat their grapes, um, and this is a, it's not a mistake, but it's not producing language. When you say, oh, I see you're hungry, that's pretty if you want the kid to really understand the feeling of hunger, right? And that, hey, that means this thing inside me is, is hunger, then that's pretty sophisticated. You know, interoception, the idea of understanding your own feelings is really sophisticated. Okay. What, what's going on in their head is that I want to eat the grapes. Right. I just I want, want to eat. I want more grapes. So I, I take the grapes, he's devouring it. I take it. I say, hey, you want another one? I want, yeah, you want another one. In other words, I'm, I'm taking that moment and I'm putting words to that moment. Okay. If you say, and you're, you know, you're like the overseer. So I, what I would say in a situation like, uh, not that I'm hungry, but I love, I, I love that peanut butter. You know, I really like, hey, you know, how about sharing your peanut butter with me? And this is, this is an ongoing dilemma because kids learn. I don't know what it is in your school, but kids learn not to share food because if someone's allergic to peanuts, oh my God, you know, it's like. Yes, we tell them they can't share. <laughs> see, you see. We tell all the kids they can't share any of their food. Oh you man, know, we're just we're just you know, ruining I, these kids. I gave about about yes. six or seven le lectures during COVID. <laughs> Every few weeks, I would give another lecture on COVID because the whole situation has changed. So one of my slides is that we're teaching these two three-year-old kids 
not to share. Sharing is a develop. It's Which, it's a cognitive developmental process. Oh of, and, and if nothing else, it's understanding another person's point of view. That's remember I said lang- early language. There has to be affect. There has to be emotions. Another yeah, one to of connect, these, right? Right. To connect another, to something. another one of these three or four things. And I'm getting this from. Um, from actually Piaget's work, is that another thing that why a kid need what a kid needs in order to talk is that they have to understand whatever they're saying from another person's point of view. They have to understand this other person is going to hear what they're saying, and that's just saying it. It's not just the aut- in autism being alone. They have to recognize somebody else is actually listening to what they're saying. If they don't have that, they have to be taught that. That kind of thing. So the idea of sharing is like, hey, maybe he wants, maybe he doesn't like grapes. Maybe he wants it. In other words, it, it's helpful for that kid to understand that there's another person outside themselves. And a lot of these kids, a lot of our kids are just involved with only themselves. That's the autism part, the audit autism. And they have to understand there are other people who literally exist outside themselves. And there's a hundred ways of doing it, but we're talking about food. And that's like, you know, why don't you, you know, ask him or, or you know, he why don't you offer him a grape? Because he want, he would like a grape. He, he, you know, the kid next to you wants a grape too. And um, so maybe, maybe uh, almost think of it as having a conversation or interaction with someone, like think of how I can say something to them that is almost like two way, even though I know they're going to struggle with the two way thing, but maybe that's how I can mentally say to myself, what can I create and say right now as if he could talk back and forth with me and we could have a back and forth. I love what you just said. I wish we don't think of them like that. I will say. I'll say for myself what I think I know. This is a a one minute TikTok video because I love what you said. And what I'm just going to add one more thing to that. Even though the kid doesn't get it, I'm going to do it. And I just want to add one little thing to it. That's how he's going to learn the back and forth. This is eventually what will actually teach it. If we're doing what I consider the right thing for that kid and he doesn't get it, it may be the perfect thing for him to learn that. Wouldn't that be a wonderful thing? By the end of the year, he gets that back and forth communication. Instead of giving up, and this is something I wish somebody would listen to me. I'm kidding, but you know, but I know it it feels that way. Over and over and over again, and teachers, I don't want to offend anybody. I'm going to offend somebody. I'll say, I'll I'll go to a, what do you call it? A professional um, development. Development, and I'll say something, and 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 inevitably, teachers will say or parents will say, "Oh, we tried that," and I want to scream and chuck choke them at the same time. I'm exaggerating, because I'm saying, "Okay, we tried it; it didn't work." But if that's the perfect thing for them to learn to do that then you do that same sort of thing 50 times because that's how they're going to learn it. So you take that clip of what you just said, even though they're not going to get it, I'm going to do it anyway. 
and I'm adding okay. one little piece to that. Keep All right. doing it for All that right. particular kid because that's the way they're going to learn it. Okay, I'm doing it all year long, and I'll come back at the end of the school year and talk to you and let you know how it went. <laughs> because I, I think you and me are like kindred spirits in this in this aspect where I have said, and I, with all due respect to teachers, I have said to teachers, "Hey, why don't you try X for whatever reason? Autism, not autism, regular ed kid with a little right. little right. issue." And this is this is what what I hear. Well, that's not going to work, and I'm like you didn't even try it. Like, <laughs> and I don't know how to help these help, help us in, in this. I'll just make it very general in this generation. Can we just try something like you're saying, you'll say 50 times. I said, just, can you just try it a couple times? Um, and, and it's, it's, it's like, I guess our, your message is don't give up because it didn't work the first time. Don't just say it didn't work and, and think that it all goes in the trash. So I appreciate what you're saying, and I'm not sure how often we have to help people. I know you got to go, but I'm going to add one more thing to that before you. Okay, go. That is, when they don't get it, observe what happens. What do they do? Are they looking at you? Are they engaged? Are they babbling something that that doesn't make sense? But that's part of the developmental period. They're trying to say something. When it doesn't work, are they just totally out? Are they, oh, okay, maybe you have to pick a different time for whatever you're trying. Just yeah. really be vigilant. Really watch the, what happens when it doesn't okay. work. What's the it that doesn't work? Sometimes the it that doesn't work, something else happens that's even more important than what you have on, in your, your idea. Okay. <laughs> now you're upset. Yeah. Now, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm taking it all in and I cannot yeah. wait to read your book. And you know what tripped me up? That's going to be like maybe the next interview we start off with. The first review in your book says that, and, and now people listening might get, might, 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 might not appreciate this because it, it says, did you see the first, the first review in your book that someone says that ABA is traumatizing? And I'm like, you gotta be kidding me because that's what they we do. And I was like, oh. <laughs> the person who wrote that was it stopped me dead in my tracks. And I'm like, wait a second, what they just did they just write? Did I just read that like this yeah. morning? I'm like, oh wait, I cannot wait to ask him this question. So that's gonna be the start of our next interview. <laughs> that's perfect. And the person who wrote that was the person who wrote Neurotribe, Steve Silberman, who doesn't need if somebody disagrees with him, like me at this stage of experience, that I am, that's why I can be confident in saying, oh, that's how they talk to these kids in like abbreviated language. Why don't we have a discussion about it? <laughs> all right. So, all right. I, I, I got, I've got my charge and I'm going to ask my sister-in-law and I'm really excited. I can't wait to go to school tomorrow. I'm going to start trying this out. This is awesome. But it, um, so the, yeah, because I, I mean, I just love these kids at school. I mean, I don't have kids of my own, but I just love these kids and especially these kids with autism. I just see them and I just get so excited and I welcome them right. and I just love on them. And I'm sure they, they, they can't say, they, they haven't said anything back to me yet, but I know that is really touching their hearts. Yeah. Oh no, I know. And all the questions that the teachers have that they may not ask you because they're afraid that it's going to make them look bad sometimes. 
Yeah. You know, the frustrations and they're, you're exceptional, but there are a lot of principles when a teacher says, oh, this kid can't do this and I have trouble with this. They come, they make it, they go turn around to the teacher and say, well, what's wrong with you? Well, that's your job. You got to think of something that makes you look bad because you're not, I want all those questions. You know, okay. let's, you know, they, they can, we could have, I, I'm just imagining an, an in-service or something like that because we want it to be successful. Well, when I interviewed C Dr. Stephen Shore, he's like, I'm right in New York. I'll come down and talk to your teachers. I'm like, you are. And I'm thinking the other day, I got to take them up that. Could you imagine if both of you showed up? Oh, my God. We, we, we could together. We could <laughs> come together. I know. I know. <laughs> oh, my gosh. This <laughs> and with, with oh. Zoom, it's, it's really easy. But yeah. I, yeah. Easy. Yeah. Anyway, okay, well, let's finish up and we're going to come back. I will invite you back. I hope you say yes, because I have enjoyed every minute. I mean, I was tired at the end of the day today, but talking to you, I am so re-energized and this is so special. And thank you so much for your time, your energy. Thank you for the years that you've committed to this. And how can someone find and follow you as we finish? Well, my website is Autism Speech, or, or you could email me directly. Well, Robert J. Bernstein at uh, oh, I should know my my site. But no, I think it's I think it's robertjbernstein.com because I was okay. Robert J., right, Robert J. Bernstein.com. You could go to robertjbernstein.com and then you'll get all that information. Yeah, that's that's the easiest way. That's awesome. All right, thank you, and I'll see you soon. It's a pleasure. Thank you, Karen. That's all we've got for this episode of the Momnificent Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, I would be honored if you would subscribe and rate if you really liked it. I know wherever you're listening right now, it might not be the best time to leave a comment, but feel free to leave a question, a review, or a comment at any time. And until next time, remember, don't worry, be happy.